You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be with family and friends, as Nigel said earlier on this morning. Um, Yeah, it's been quite a week, I think. (laughs) So much happening in the world. Um, And I think what they say, the biggest event since World War II in the UK coming tomorrow. Um, But... I think we've been so blessed to have a queen whose faith was so incredibly strong and particularly in the later years that she really expressed her faith um, in her Christmas speeches and Easter speeches. Um, And I was reading a really interesting article this morning on BBC about her faith um, and how actually while she's the head of the Church of England, she actually attended a Presbyterian church when she was staying in Balmoral. So, and she loved to actually experience faith and apparently she really knew her scriptures quite well and was quite confident in pointing out to a preacher if she felt he got it wrong (laughs) (laughs) so i would love to have the confidence um that she has and uh yes so so um Today, I'm going to have a look at something I actually spoke about um, in our recent staff devotions. So I work for a large Christian organization that um, goes out into the world when there's disasters. Uh, We also have the largest shoebox project, which um, Authentic will be telling everyone about soon, um, which is really exciting. And as part of what I do, I get to work with incredible men and women of God who volunteer for the ministry. And recently, we were um, sent on a volunteer ministry development program. Um, it's always quite a mouthful. In short, we call it E1. Um, and we um, get to see publicly about volunteering, how we can lead our volunteers well, because it's a very relational role. And so there's a lot of discipleship as well, and it's just one that I absolutely love. But one of the really first foundations of this um, course that we do is actually everything begins in the heart. And that when we come to faith, transformation begins to take place in the heart. And so the key scripture that we're going to look at, that's part of, we've got a lot of scriptures today, I warn you. Um, One of the key scriptures that we're going to look at today is Matthew 15, verses 17 to 20. A little bit of context is where the Pharisees have come to complain to Jesus yet again about his disciples. um, And that they have not washed their hands, and so therefore they are unclean. So Matthew 15, um, verse 17 says, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. And just for for some people have different translations, so I'm reading um, all my scriptures come from the ESV, the English Standard Version. So we're going to have a look at something, which I'm going to ask you to bear with me, have an open mind. This could be a little wacky today, but I like a little bit of wacky. I love how God can show us something. Um, and there's two elements that are run side by side. There's a physical and a spiritual. And my prayer is that as you hear what um, I'm sharing today, that you'll hear 
that it's the voice of God speaking to you. So I'm going to share a story. Um, and I recently heard this on one of my favorite podcasts. So uh, I have two different um, podcasters that I love to listen to. One is all about fun. Um, and her podcast is called That Sounds Fun by Annie F. Downs. She's a Christian podcaster. I love that she interviews all the serious Christian influencers, authors, and brings an element of fun into it. Um, and another person that I love to listen to is John Mark Comer, who has a podcast called Practicing the Way, which is where if you're looking for something really a little bit deeper into scripture, um, then he is one of my favorite Bible teachers. So on this particular podcast that Annie was interviewing a worship leader, uh, she um, spoke about a Japanese um, doctor of alternative medicine called Dr. Emoto, Masuru Emoto. And what he wanted to do, he wanted to research how water is connected to our individual and collective conscious. So what he would do is he would speak to water and in the moment that he spoke he would flash freeze it photograph it and then study the images and what he found and he's written a book you can find his book on um, online on Amazon and various things and you can see pictures of the work that he did but he found that when he spoke positively to water that it formed beautiful formations of ice crystals like snowflakes but when negatively spoken to water, it formed images that were harsh and ugly. So I thought that's a little bit wacky, kind of like, you know, my gosh, but bear with me here. So if we have a look at the Bible and we look at Genesis chapter one, right in the very beginning, verse one tells us the short story. God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 goes on to tell us how God created heavens and earth. And it says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And I had never picked this up before when I had read the creation story. Because there in the third sentence it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And that's even before light was spoken into being water has been there. We know that um, today our earth is still covered with around 71% of water. And when we look at the third day, we see that um, God separated the waters and dry land appeared. And as God commanded all these waters into one place, God then sprouted vegetation, plants, yielding fruit, um, trees, seed yielding fruit and um, everything but if you remember your sciences from way back when we were in school and Jessica maybe you a little bit more recently we know that plants contain mostly water and so tree things like tree trunks can contain 50% of water while leaves can contain up to 90% of water so going back to Dr. Imoto's research um, I wonder if many of you might have know someone, we know someone, and I'm going to show you, but most of you have houseplants. And so 
I'm going to share the story about um, a plant, some plants that we have at home. Um, about a year or two ago, we um, all bought, my mom-in-law, my daughter and myself, the same plant from the same shop on the same day. And it's a monstera, which we fondly call a delicious monster and also can be referred to as a Swiss cheese plant. And um, so we've all had our plants at the same time. We all water them. We give them plant food. And they're pretty much treated the same. But there is one difference. This is, I'm going to show you an image of one of our plants. Jessica and my plant kind of looks the same. So this is an image of our delicious monster at home. I mean, it's not bad. It's getting there. They, they're, called, they, they're known for growing really, really big. And this, bear in mind, we bought it the same day from the same place, and it gets watered and planted. The same plant food is my mum's delicious monster. It is massive. It is absolutely, the leaves are maybe three times the size of mine. It is beautiful. And the difference is, is that mum talks to her plants. <laughs> so, if you're looking for a title, um, I've titled this, There Must Be Something in the Water. <laughs> so, Another story um, to share with you that I read is about uh, two different wine estates, one in South Africa and one in Italy. Um, the one in South Africa is in the Cape region and they actually play classical music to their vines because they believe that their vines will produce better fruit um, from playing classical music. But I'm gonna take you a step further. There is a wine estate in Italy, in the Tuscany region, where I think it's Tuscany, where they grow Barolo. And my husband will be able to confirm that. Um, and Barolo is a really famous grape variety. It's a really impressive, really fantastic red wine. And this wine estate in Italy also plays classical music to its vines. And they actually found that the, the grapes closer to the speaker were actually even bigger than the grapes on the vine. And so at Florence University, they actually went and studied these vines to see if this music was really making a difference to the grapes that were being grown. And it was actually true. And what they found was the frequency of the music, of the classical music they were playing was the same frequency as the sound of running water which just totally blew my mind. And I thought, God, there has got to be something in this water that you have given us. As babies, we are actually born with around 75% of water in our bodies. As adults, it drops down to about 60%, but it's still a pretty significant amount. And the Heart Foundation tells us that we need between two and three liters of water a day in order for our bodies to work correctly. Our physical heart pumps around 2,000 gallons of blood a day through our bodies. It also, water by, by drinking and consuming so much water, helps our joints stay cushioned and lubricated. It helps our bodies get rid of waste and keep our body temperature normal. And we also know that there are some foods that are actually better for you, and those are the foods that contain a higher percentage of water. So if you're hungry and you feel like a snack, 
snacking on 60 grams of grapes is going to be much healthier for you than 60 grams of raisins because the grapes contain <coughs> more water. So science shows us that water is vital to our life and that we need it because our bodies and our physical hearts need water. But what does the Bible say about water? In, John, um, in the book of John, chapter 4, there is a really famous story. And if you look at verses 7 to 15, you see that Jesus is at a well and he's speaking to a Samaritan woman. And Jesus tells her that whoever drinks from the water in the well will be thirsty again. And that's true because our physical bodies need to have water every day. But Jesus is speaking of the water that he has and that believing in him, if you receive this living water, you will have eternal life. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And in John 7, verses 37 to 38, Jesus stands up and he cries out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So I believe that as the image bearers of God, we're not just a reflection on water like a mirror, but we actually have an internal image of God as well. And so we have a God heart, which has to be the bearer of our Father's heart, and that Jesus is our living water, which ensures the health of our spirit and soul. So let's think back about the positive and the negative words. I'm sure you've all heard the expression, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty? Now I know what my husband would say about me. So, and yes. So in other words, are you a positive person or are you a negative person? And so if science can show us how, that speaking positively or negatively can actually have an effect, then how much more is the living water also affected by the things that we say? How much more when we speak words of positivity and encouragement do we and those that we're speaking to, how much better do we feel? Um, and how do we feel when we speak words that are negative, that have no grace? How do our bodies react to negative or positive words? And what does that do to our relationship with our Jesus. So I've got some scriptures that I'm going to read through which um, are just incredible to show the relationship that we have with the words that we speak. And um, a lot of them do come from that very wise book of Proverbs. Um, and I think that if you have more time to really truly go into looking, we'd find so much more. So Proverbs, we'll start with Proverbs 13, 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who pens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 10, 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Colossians 3, 8. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. James 3, 9, 12 says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. 
From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And my favorite too, remembering what Jesus said in Matthew about what comes out of our mouth starts in our heart, is Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And Proverbs 4, 20 to 24 says, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life so my question is if you were to measure your heart not your physical heart we like to often uh, regularly take jessica's um, pulse because it can go a little crazy at times but if we're not talking about the actual heartbeat, but your God heart, I wonder where you think it would be. And what about your water content, your living water content? Where do you think that that is? Because maybe our faith would move a mountain if we spoke more words of affirmation, encouragement, and grace that reverberates through that living water that's within us. Okay, so how can we do this? So I have four steps um, that we can do to kind of help us each day to keep our hearts strong and to keep our living water topped up. Number one is set your GPS on God. Engaging in God's word at the beginning of your day sets your heart and fills you with living water. The Bible is not just a book filled with stories. It is our guidebook to life. And it takes a lifetime of practice. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Secondly, prayer. We are designed for a relationship with our God. And prayer is where we can present our requests to God. It is also our battlefield to fight. And I heard a really good quote, again, from my favorite Fun Annie podcast, uh, where she was talking about prayer and she said, our prayer lives are meant to shift the reality that we live in. And that made me think, like, am I really truly praying enough? <laughs> Am I praying right? I don't know, but it, is, it requires work. And the Bible tells us that we sometimes we have to pray without ceasing. Sometimes our prayers are answered really quickly. Other times they're not even answered in our lifetime. But Romans 12, 12 reminds us to be joyful in hope, be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. Thirdly, praise and gratitude. I know um, someone who has a praise journal and she is really faithful to writing down 
um, things during the day that she is grateful for. And Psalm 95 tells us to sing to the Lord, go into his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise with songs of praise. Why? Because the Lord is great. He is our God and he is a king above all gods. Hebrews 13 says that praise is the fruit of our lips. And Psalm 28 says that this is a result of our hearts as it leaps with joy. And fourth, practice Practice, practice, and drink lots of water. The Bible shares a rhythm of life that is water for our souls. And we need to remember to practice the arts of Sabbath, hospitality, prayer, fasting, and the things that it teaches us. And so I recommend always, if you're looking for a more deeper relationship with God, continue to listen to great Bible teachers Spend more time reading in the mornings, read scriptures, listen to podcasts when you drive. Um, John Mark Comer has a great one called Practicing the Way, as I said earlier on, and come to church on Sundays. So what I'd like us to do um, as I finish now is for us to really take a minute and just in silence ask God to show you your hearts, to show your level of water. And then I'll close in prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you are our living water. We thank you that God the Father has created us in his image, in your image. We are created to be and to have the heart of God. And you came, Father. You came and sent your son. You sent Jesus to die for us so that we could continue to have the living water to keep our spirits and souls healthy. And that we know, Father, it is a lifetime of practice. We know that when we come into faith, that transformation begins in our hearts. That we have grace. And that we are so, so loved. And that your will for us is to have the same heart to love others. To be kind. to practice hospitality, to practice Sabbath, where we get to glory in you and your creation in all that you do, to rest in your presence. Father, I just pray and lift everyone here today that as they look into their hearts and to their living water, God, that you show them their measure and that we can have springs of abundant life flowing from our hearts, Lord, as we go deeper and deeper with you. And Father, we just pray for those who don't know you, that if there is anyone who doesn't know you, Lord, but who wants to know you, Lord, let us all be your vessels to just be a blessing to those 
that they can see you in us. Not just a mirror image, but an internal image of who you are. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time together today. We just pray, Father, that this, that as we go out, God, that we can just continue to just um, see you wherever we are. We ask that you bless authentic, Father. Bless this church and bless the people in it. And we bless the leaders, Nigel and Tammy, Lord. And we thank you for their hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.